and still on and on he pressed, until at last he mounted to the steep sides of the barren forbidding mountain of Quarantana, beyond which he felt his struggle was to begin. No food was to be found. He must fight the battle unaided by the material sustenance that ordinary men find necessary for life and strength. And still he had not received the answer to the cry of his soul. The rocks beneath his feet, the blue sky above his head, the lofty peaks of Moab and Gilead in the distance, gave no answer to the fierce, insistent desire for the answer to the riddle of the voice. The answer must come from within and from himself only, and in the heart of the wilderness he must remain without food, without shelter, without human companionship, until the answer came. And as it was with the master, so it is with the follower. All who attain the point of unfoldment at which the answer is alone possible must experience that awful feeling of aloneness and spiritual hunger and frightful remoteness from all that the world values before the answer comes from within, from the holy of holies of the Spirit. Was he indeed the long-expected deliverer of Israel? Surely he must find this out. He must wring the answer from the inmost recesses of his soul. And so he sought refuge in the wilderness, intuitively feeling that there, amidst the solitude and desolation, he would fight his fight and receive his answer. He felt that he had come to a most important phase of his life's work, and the question of what am I must be settled once and for all, then and there. Every one, therefore, that heareth these words of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. And every one that heareth these words of mine and doeth them shall not be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and smote upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. Matthew seven twenty four through 27 in these parting words of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave a message to all who would hear or read his words and profess to be his followers. He bade such building upon the eternal rock of the truth, the rock of ages, that had its foundations in the very basic principles of being. He warned them against building upon the shifting sands of theology and dogmatism, which would be surely swept away by the storms of time. Upon the eternal mystic truths is mystic Christianity founded, and it is still standing untouched by the storms of criticism, opposition, and knowledge that have swept away many theological edifices in the past, and which are now beating with renewed vigor upon the remaining frail structures, which are even this day quivering under the strain. Mystic Christianity invites the new theology, the higher criticism, the criticism of science, for these will only tend to prove the truths of its fundamental principles. In mystic Christianity, religion, philosophy, and science are known to be one and the same thing. There is no conflict between science and religion, philosophy and religion, or philosophy and science. They are all but names for the one truth. There be but one truth that cannot be more than one. 
and so call it by the name of religion, the name of science, the name of philosophy, it matters not, but the same thing is meant. There is naught but truth, nothing else really exists. All that is not truth is illusion, maya, nothing. And mystic Christianity is based upon the rock of truth. Fearing not the winds nor the storms that try out the stability of all structures of thought, like its founder, it has always existed, always will exist, from the beginningless beginning to the endless ending. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow.